So welcome to Decent Rowing Podcast number six. Today we're going to continue our conversation about boat speed. In the last podcast we talked about uh, the, two, the first two things that are really important for boat speed. They were the catch and power application. Today we're going to talk about uh, not doing things which slow the boat down and consistency in training. They're the final two that we think are really important for the four different things that affect boat speed. So Ken, do you want to take us through uh, what sort of things slow the boat down and, and you know, what can we do to avoid them? Absolutely. One of the things that's important to perhaps note too is that, that uh, there's more than just these four things, but we'll be covering those later on. Yeah, well, if you, if you try to break it down, we've probably covered you know, hundreds of things <laughs> in the, in the first, first two categories. So it's really just a, a way of us uh, you know, being able to break it down and, and talk about it a bit, bit easier. And we'll continue to do that, of course. The things that slow the boat down, the, the reason why this is such an important topic is that if you think about a rowing stroke, depending on what rating you're doing, you might have uh, a third of the stroke with the oar in the water and two thirds with the oar out of the water. And so when the oar's out of the water, the boat's just continuing to run on its own. And so it's very important to make sure that you don't actually slow it down because when you get to the catch for the next stroke what you're going to do of course is pick the boat up again and and accelerate it again and the further it's slowed down the more difficult it is to do that so what slows the boat down and as Lachlan said a minute ago there's a multitude of things that slow a boat down and it's probably the area where the exceptional athletes show out against the ones not so exceptional because once you've mastered getting the catch in and holding the finish in and you apply the power evenly through the middle then you're getting the best out of the boat you can for for getting the boat speed up but coming down the slides where most of the damage happens another way of describing it which John Dreesen likes to use is trying to maximize your minimum velocity so you want to make sure that the slowest the boat gets to every stroke is faster which essentially means that the boat's going to run better and you're going to have less deceleration and you're going to start to pick it up better. Yeah, and you also have to do a lot less effort to uh, regain that maximum oh. speed you had. Great. So the you know the the fastest average speed of your boat uh, will, will will win a race. So whoever's got the fastest average speed. So you know that's a product of how fast you can make it go. So it's it's maximal speed. So say as you you know just coming into the catch, you know that's where your maximal speed's going to be. And you know you want to decrease your minimum speed, which is just after the catch, and that's probably why we focus so much on the catch is because I'll increase your minimum speed. Sorry, yeah. So that's probably why we focus so much on the catch. It's because uh, it's such a crucial point where both you know around the catch you achieve your maximum speed and your minimum speed. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that most athletes cause the most damage at the catch. To the recovery yeah and so it's very easy to to check a boat as in to slow the boat down and when you come into the catch all you've got to essentially do is come into the catch and push on the foot plate and don't have the oar in the water that's simple as it is and if you do that then you're going to slow that boat down the there's a few schools of thought about how you come into the catch which is uh, uh, can make the boat go faster and it can also uh, make the boat go slower if you're going to come into the catch very gently without touching the foot plate very much, without much weight on the foot plate, then you'll find if you can get the catch in 
and as we said in our earlier podcast, put the blade in, get it connected, and let your seat move a little bit whilst it's getting covered, and then push, then that's going to cause minimal damage to the boat run. However, if you come into the catch, and you come into the catch fast, and pull the boat towards you with your feet, then you can actually increase the boat speed at that point. And then if you get the blade in and well connected uh, with precise timing, then you can actually make the boat go faster by doing that. The danger is with a lot of beginner crews and less experienced crews is that if you pull the boat towards you uh, coming into the catch, so aggressively pull the boat towards you and then try to put the blade in and fail to put it in precisely enough, then the immediate movement is to check the boat. And so it's very difficult to get beginners to do that correctly. So, so not only do you slow the boat down, but you've uh, given up the opportunity to make the boat go faster because your blade's not in the water. Absolutely. So you won't be able to apply your power. And if you can't apply your power, you won't be able to accelerate the boat ready for the next stroke. So it's a real double whammy. So you're forfeiting, you're actually slowing the boat down by not getting the blade in the water. But also if you don't put it in, at the catch, you're, you're really giving up the opportunity to make the boat go any faster. So that's why it's such a crucial part of the stroke and good athletes will do it well and bad, well, slower athletes will not do it well. Yes, and the, so the danger is, particularly with coaching beginners, uh, school crews, uh, beginner club crews, and even intermediate, dare I say, is that teaching them to, or encouraging them to try and pull the boat towards them and then put the blade in and then apply the power is often a very dangerous uh, way to teach because unless they get it absolutely right then you're going to slow the boat down and be mindful too if you're in a in a bigger boat if you're in a single it's reasonably straightforward it's very clear what's going what's happening here if the athlete gets it right or gets it wrong if you're in an eight then if you've got one person in the eight that can't do it and like they're trying to pull the boat towards them at the catch and you've got one person can't do it and the other seven can, then uh, it's possible that that one person might damage the run of the boat enough to say, well, we shouldn't perhaps do it that way. We should try and do it in a different way to let the boat run and eke out that run as far as you can uh, by coming to the front gently and putting the blade in, applying the power well with a well-connected blade, you may well get a better outcome. So, so let's probably put pulling the boat towards you into the catch so act actively trying to bring it towards you by pulling with the feet is probably an advanced oh, technique very advanced. and uh you know it it's a good one and it works well if you've got a, a crew that can knows how to get the blade in the water at the catch they've got that sequence down pat you know you're just trying to increase their speed a little bit uh yeah it can work well but remember what you're actually getting them to do can have really bad consequences for boat speed Absolutely. if you don't get it right Absolutely. and yeah. most people don't so so the, so the the key point is most people don't get that part right so trying to get them to pull themselves in at the catch can you know make the problem worse not better absolutely and you'll find too that the crews that can do it well tend to be stronger crews and so generally you'll find that the heavyweight men that row like that uh, you'll find more often that lightweight men, lightweight women and women rowers tend to to have a more gentle approach into the front because you do require a, a really quite a powerful crew to make that other technique work very effectively. And I'm not saying it can't be done, but what we're saying is be very careful. Yeah, and the, the way I've heard it described, and I think it's pretty, pretty accurate, is you have to be able to uh, 
push your legs at, so say in the drive phase, as quickly as you came into the catch. So if you come into the catch quickly, you have to be able to push out just as quickly, and that's you know explosive power. So if you don't have that explosive power, you should think about coming to catch maybe a little bit more slowly, a bit more gently, and then coming out because we really, if you don't have that explosive power, you'll increase the boat speed quite a bit coming into the catch, but you won't have the leg speed to back it up once the blade's in the water. So yeah, it's uh, be careful. Yeah, more powerful, more powerful athletes will find it a bit easier to do that. Some you know can get their legs engaged really quickly. Um, they can maybe spend as as small amount as time as possible at that slow point of the stroke, but um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely an advanced skill. And and you want to be able to have all the crew do it. So if you've got half an eight that can't do it, then the answer would be, from my perspective, would be better to change everyone to do it where they come into the catch, being gentle into the catch, making sure they let the boat run as far as they can, rather than try to pull it let the boat run and let it keep running and then when the boats essentially run out then put the blade in get well connected and then apply all the power and so i think you get a better outcome that way the the other so that's a fairly fundamental thing that can damage the run of a boat and therefore damage the recovery there's lots of lots of other things uh, the critical step is well, a number of critical steps the first one is you don't really want to have the oars on the water Having said that, if the boat's really unbalanced, then you may well find the boat go, you go faster by having the oars allowed to touch the water a little bit. But generally you don't want the oars on the water because that's clearly slowing it down. The uh, people talk about early feathering as being an issue that can slow down the recovery. So especially if you've got a strong headwind, if you square the blade up, sorry, early squaring, if you square the blade up early, then you'll find that you're actually pushing against the wind which can damage the run a little bit. Generally, I'd say that's not anywhere near as significant as getting a poor catch. And so if you square up early in order to get a good catch, that's more preferable than, than saying, I don't want to uh, damage the run with that. Yeah, that said though, if you've got a, a screaming headwind and you try and square up early, anyone who's tried rowing like that will notice that the blade goes straight up in the air and you'll probably miss the catch anyway. So uh, it's really about understanding what conditions you're rowing in and you know the limitations of your own technique and then sort of working within that we're not trying to like you know there's no hard and fast rule no, with it but the basic rule is you have to have the blade squared and placing it as far for as far forward as you can on the slide so you want to get the longest stroke and so if whatever you're doing doesn't allow you to do that think about changing what you're doing and for, for me i feel like i row you know, I feel like I am getting connected at the catch really well, but I, when I slow it down and have a look on video, what I'm actually doing is squaring up too late, and that through the product of that, I'm having to lift my blade up off the water, and I'm missing that first couple of inches at the catch. So for me, I need to think about squaring up earlier, just a little bit, and you know, to most people, it just look like I'm, you know, rowing the right way if I square up earlier but it's just a small change that will make a, a big difference for my rowing. I think it's also important to try and avoid having too many things to do with the catch. And so <clears throat> if you're trying to square up and put the blade in and change direction and all those things in the same quarter to half a second. Um, yeah, if you're, focusing on, if you're focusing on all those things, because you will have to do those things. Like it's just the way the catch is. But you know, if you're really trying to change lots of things about your own catch, you'll run into trouble. Absolutely. 
and the a couple of other things that impact on the run uh, if you try and change your boat speed on the recovery you really want to move at the same speed as the boat let the boat essentially different ways of describing it, just let the boat flow underneath you and not <coughs> not uh, have any jerky movements because anything that's jerky is going to damage the run of the boat when you're sitting at the finish too if you lean back too far then uh, then that's and uh, uh, can be an issue because in order to get your body back up and over vertical is you're putting downward pressure on the boat uh, which tends to slow the boat down because of bow wave type issues you'll also find people who lean back a long way actually don't have an effective stroke uh, when they're leaning back that far so if you look at what their blades doing in the water and what's actually contributing to boat speed it probably they're when their body's just a little bit leaning back that's probably when their their you know blades starting to come out of the water and this whole extra leaning back is for absolutely no benefit and it's actually slowing the boat down because that as ken said it puts weight to the bow of the boat creates a bow wave that comes off and then you have to transfer that energy back over and it's maybe okay at a low rate, you can get away with it, but at a high rate, you'll find yourself completely stuffed within, you know, 200 meters. And it's interesting with different types of athletes too, uh, different sizes. I've coached a number of lightweight women athletes and with a lightweight woman athlete, they're typically not as tall as a heavyweight man. And so in order to maintain adequate length, then they tend to have to lean back a little further. Now, uh, it's all to do with the arc of the oar, so you can change the pins and change the arc, but you'll find that most of these uh, aspects are a compromise. And so you may find that with a heavyweight man uh, with a high, uh, heavy upper body, leaning back a long way into the, into the bow and having therefore a longer arc and having to lift their body up out of the bow and put it back over their knees again, uh, that uh, can be quite damaging, whereas a lightweight woman athlete that's a lot shorter in the body you may find it's not as damaging at all and it's more important to get that extra bit of length so so you've got to mold this for the particular athletes to make it work yeah when i when i'm rowing along trying to be as efficient as possible so thinking about not slowing the boat down i try and make sure i have no extra movements everything's very smooth you know that doesn't mean that the power application isn't quick it just means that you try and do things smoothly and i find this is especially relevant around the finish tapping the blade down feathering with a flat wrist you know i find it very hard to feather with a flat wrist most people do they'll often drop their wrists and you know have like a massive angle but if i can come through get that finish right tap out cleanly i look at my puddle so you know the what the, the blade looks like when it comes out of the water make sure i'm not throwing too much water up or out you know i want to make sure it's a very efficient tap out not catching any water and then if i can get my hands away body over I'm perfectly set up for the catch. I consider I've done a good job of not slowing the boat down. And so, you know, you really have to make sure it's smooth and clean, especially when you're trying not to slow a boat down. And the other thing that, the last thing I think we'll talk about in this particular podcast on this angle is that when you're coming off the finish, the actual having the pelvis rock over can add a little bit of boat speed as well. So if you think about the movement if you sit tall and you have your pelvis just rock over, then that'll actually push the boat a little bit forward. Yeah. And you and can actually sit in a single skull on the water or a larger boat and you can practice that movement and you'll see the boat actually does move towards the bow. Yeah, it puts you in a strong position, you set up nicely, all you have to do is roll forward with the, slit, the seat 
and you're ready for the catch. And so if you don't set up that position, somehow you've got to make yourself get into the right position before the catch. And as we know, at the catch, you've got heaps of things to think about. So body position shouldn't be one of them. You should get that right off the finish and then just focus on placing the blade, getting the power on at the catch. Absolutely. So last in our four is consistency in training. And what this essentially drives towards is that it's all very well to have a good technique, uh, which is great, and we should encourage that. Um, but if you don't do the work, then you're not going to be able to apply the power for any significant period of time. You might be able to get a few good strokes in, and that's great, but you may find that you don't actually go further than that. Yeah, so we're talking about consistency, i.e. making sure your technique is as good as it can be. So consciously thinking about rowing well, as well as rowing often enough and training often enough to get a good uh, physiological change to make sure you're ready if you're going to be racing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fitter you are, the longer you'll be able to maintain a technique through a session. So you, you'll get a, a double benefit by, by being fit as well. Yeah. And we won't go into it today, but, but the, doing cross training is important, making sure that you... Uh, don't overdo any particular muscles, you don't get any injuries, and you'll find that if you have inconsistent training, in, particularly in workload, then you're quite likely to get an injury. And so it's very important to set your training load at the level that's going to get you to where you need to be and what will fit within your other uh, life interests and make sure that you maintain that. One of the worst things you can do is, is be inconsistent stop and start, miss a couple of weeks, um, overtrain for a couple of weeks, that sort of activity. Yeah, so, so sort of not have a, you really have to get in tune with where your body's at. So is it ready to do 10 sessions a week? Is it ready to do five sessions a week or three sessions a week? You really have to uh, you know, take it slowly if you're making a change. And if you haven't been consistent, the, the likelihood is that you're gonna have to keep the load training load down, so fewer sessions per week, less duration and build it up slowly otherwise you become injured you know we know that the the greatest form of injuries in rowing and probably any sport is an increase in load too quickly so doing too much too soon and um and so you really have to be consistent with what you what you're doing and make it coherent so make sure that it fits in what with what you've been doing in the past couple of months you know and uh not try and do everything too quickly absolutely and in relation to load and technique uh, quite often I've seen athletes uh, particularly in the school system suffer an injury because whilst they've been doing the same overall load they haven't actually actually increased the load quite a lot in a particular area a classic one is when you have athletes that have been rowing in a sculling boat in quads and singles and so on and then all of a sudden they decide that they're going to row sweep now this tends to happen in Australia uh, at about the under 16 age bracket, age bracket and so they go from rowing sculling which is a very symmetrical sort of a stroke to rowing sweep which is a lot more asymmetrical and they continue to the same load so if they're doing four sessions a week on the water in sculling then they swap to four sessions of sweep if you think about what that's actually done to the load their overall load probably hasn't changed at all in fact it's probably gone down a little bit because they're learning a new technique but the muscles that they haven't been using before are getting overloaded a lot when they do that. Yeah, especially if you're talking about like multiple sessions a week. So, you know, in our program that, that I've been rowing in, we do 
you know, pretty much all sculling. But, you know, we, we want to race sweep, but regattas, we want to do, you know, sweep for selections and things like that. And so what we've done is we've included one sweep session per week to start with. And we want to make sure that's not our hardest session. We want to make sure it's a relatively easy session just so we can get the muscles built up, just so our body can get used to it. You know, we don't want to be doing any sort of injuries. We want to enjoy it. And, um, you know, doing that one session a week, it seems like not much to begin with, but it really helps get your body in the right right, uh, right uh, space for, for doing that, that action. Absolutely. So, so it's really important to understand that load is a, a per-muscle issue. It's not overall body load. Sure, overall body load from a cardio perspective, sure, that's overall body load. But you've got to be very careful about load on individual muscles. Even doing one drill, uh, a particular drill at the catch, for example, and overdoing it will find you'll overload certain muscles. Yeah, so keep any exercises you do, like drills, to like, you know, maximum of 10, say, you know, maybe 10, and then you have, you know, say, 10 strokes normally and do that maybe three times you know you don't want to be doing it you know 100 strokes in a row it's just asking for trouble likewise even doing roll-ups you don't want to do you know the roll-up exercise stationary like for more than about five minutes you know it's it's something that you have to build up to and it, it's really quite awkward especially when you're trying to use all those stabilizer muscles that you don't use so much when you're rowing along when you're stationary so yeah just keep in mind what you're actually asking the athlete's bodies to do or your own body to do and think oh am i overloading it is it used to this should i you know build up to this exercise and you'll avoid a lot of problems and enjoy your rowing a lot more you know if you if you become injured you can't row so that's not going to help anything yeah. you're pretty slow boat speed if you're injured yeah well, that's it. Pretty cool. you know people people will stop rowing yeah. completely like they'll uh, they'll be burnt out they'll get an injury and you know that's it that's They'll hang up the hang up the oars and you know might not come back to it. Yeah. So critical is that make sure when you're coming down the slide that you really don't damage that boat run, uh, particularly about the catch. And we'll have another podcast later on more detail around how you can deal with the catch. So careful on that on that boat run. Don't do anything to upset the boat, and uh, keep that training really consistent and watch out for load injuries because they're the ones that are really critical to damaging both athletes and boat speed. So next podcast we're going to be talking about typical issues that we face with uh, lack of ergos. And you might say, no, we don't have a lack of ergos, but generally what we mean by that is that we've got too many athletes and not enough ergos and trying to schedule those sessions. So the importance of an ergo in a training program I think is often underrated from an educational perspective. So we'll talk about that in the next podcast. So if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it. Um, you know, you can also head over to our, our webpage. We've got an email list where we send out all our best rowing videos. Uh, so it's free to join up and uh, yeah, we, we always try and put our best, best things out for that. And if you're interested in becoming a paying member, they allow us to do what we do here. Uh, we have free month uh, trial options. We have yearly options, group options. Um, but, you know, if you head over to our website, uh, decentrowing.com, you'll be able to see them all there. We've got plenty of info about it. And, you know, if you want to get to know us a bit better, uh, you know, sign up to our email list as we send out a lot through that. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.